Well, welcome back to the Heartland Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership and the way of Jesus. My name's Clint, and we're continuing in our kind of ongoing series of looking at the Sunday service series that we're doing here. And we have an upcoming one uh, in March called Back to the Future. And we're going to be taking a look at some of the prophetic books in the canon of Scripture. I don't know if this camera has me. One of them does. But here are represented the books of our Bible, and we're going to be looking at the prophetic books. Uh, I have a panel with me today to discuss this, so if you could introduce yourselves and what your role is here at our church. Yeah, sure. So my name's Nicole. Um, I'm a part of the staff team here at our Weymouth campus, uh, serving as our executive director of operations. Yeah, I'm Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at our Weymouth campus as well. Um, when you say back to the future, are you thinking Michael J. Fox may join us for this series at some that point? That would be awesome. That would be great. Yeah. And who was the old dude in the uh, Doc Brown? Doc, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Christopher Lloyd, if you will, the actor. <laughs> is that really Christopher Lloyd? Right. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Okay. Mm-hmm. The car. The car is what I would really like the to DeLorean. see. The yeah. DeLorean. Yeah. That would be With awesome. the doors that opened up. Yeah. Those were so cool back Very then. Some of cool. my favorite films. Right. Yeah, Michael J. Fox. Yeah, what a story. Now, when you said were you, about how were you like thirty six when that came out? <laughs> right. <laughs> I think I think somewhere Around along there. that range. Yeah. Thank you. Grandpa yeah. Dave was alive and well. <laughs> when you talk about the books of prophecy, hmm. all of these different books uh, make up our Bible, right? But can you kind of just point to the books, the part of the prophecy? Obviously, they're Old Testament books, right. which are in the top. And uh, our hmm. like uh, arrangement, they're kind of be right in here. Toward the yeah. end of your Old Testament. Just like the last fourth, you yep. would say. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can I ask a question about that? Sure. Isn't Lamentations in that grouping? Yes. And it is not a prophetic book. Uh, it, it or is can, it considered It, it could be like considered a, both. It's a both and. Oh, okay. I was just wondering how it ended up in that grouping. It's just the easiest way to group them. Oh, that's So before great. we get too far into it, we've already used a really strange church word. Prophetic. Prophecy. Yeah. I mean, we, this is on YouTube. Anybody in the world could click on this. I'm like, what are you talking about? Is that some right. like Dungeons and Dragons character <laughs> move? Prophecy. Like, that sounds so strange and ancient. What right. would come to someone's mind if they heard that word and they weren't part of a church? Like, I'm trying to imagine. Nostradamus. Really? Is like 2012. Remember the 2012 thing? Oh, yeah. The world's going to end? Yeah, there's right. always been a like world ending thing. Predicting this thing that no one else knows about. Okay. Like this mysterious new secret thing. Well, and that is an aspect of prophecy, right? That's mm-hmm. the, the prophet, the person who would um, foretell the future, something that's going to happen in the future. God gives them an insight and they predict the future. And we think about that and we're like, that can't be real. But it, it was. It has a bit more. Um, oomph and uh, officialness to it rather than like your run-of-the-mill tarot card reader or fortune teller that's just kind of spinning their wheels and might let you know about something in your life but prophecy has this I don't know more grandiose feel to it well at least that aspect the other aspect of prophecy when it comes to scripture is just a prophet would forth tell the, the like what's coming you know so they would speak truth into someone's life not not even about the future but just like in the present as well so there's all these different definitions of what prophecy is all about and what a prophet does i guess right so mm-hmm. one the foretelling might be like to let a people know about an upcoming calamity and to prepare let's say yeah and, and in fact prophets Oh, man. I mean, they just weren't very well liked, you know, like they didn't have a lot of probably uh, relational intelligence. And so they would just they would speak. That's too harsh. 
they would speak about what's coming and they would like go around telling, well, to your point, Lamentations, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. So he would go around telling like the Jewish people how terrible they were and how God's going to judge them. Now, what would you do to somebody like that if they kept telling you, you better get your life straightened around, God's coming, he's going to judge you? Kill him. Right. <laughs> Kill him. Yeah, I think that's, that's what much. happened, yeah. right? Happened to Jeremiah. Well, happened and often to John the Baptist. <laughs> happened to, right. What's being recorded here in the, the books of prophecy, the prophet is addressing these to the, the king. That's not just some peasant. That's ah, such right. a good point. So even more that upped ante of speaking truth to power, they were not mm-hmm. always well liked and often on the run. Yeah. And I'm so just to, and then to contrast the foretelling versus foretelling, mm-hmm. one of my favorite examples of foretelling, like the speaking of truth. Uh, is Nathan is considered a prophet oh, in yes. scripture, mm-hmm. comes to King David after his whole fiasco mm-hmm. with uh, Bathsheba and you know, having a child out of wedlock and Nathan comes to him and like kind of describes his situation in a, a mysterious way and David says, well, you should punish that man. He should be killed or whatever. And Nathan says, you are that man. Yeah. So there's this, pr- we would call that the prophetic, this way of speaking truth to power in a way to highlight uh, a wrongdoing and to hopefully lead to conviction. And there's so many examples of that. Like we're, we're going to spend, I don't know what it is, four weeks or whatever in this. But um, man, it'd be great for people to read through all these different um, books of prophecy. I'm thinking of Daniel, you know, and I'm thinking of... Um, how he approached the king and interpreted the king's dreams, even though that the wasn't a real popular opinion. Um, I took some, I took some chutzpah, you know, to go and speak to power, like you're saying, because it, it could have cost him his life. And in fact, um, it, it helped the nation to some degree. So there's all these really great stories um, throughout the books of prophecy. I can't wait to dig into this together. So one of the big ideas that we'll be discussing in the series is the books of prophecy reveal a relational God who is invested in the flourishing of his people. And Dave, I think you're preaching that week. Do you want to give us kind of an inside look at what well, that, yeah, really that means? Yeah, that's the first week, and it's just a, like a general overview of what prophecy is. I've, I've just actually been working on it, and I'm excited about this one in particular because um, I, I believe that all of this points to Jesus, and there's this moment in Luke 4 where Jesus actually walks into a synagogue, uh, as is his custom, picks up the scroll. Well, actually, he's handed the scroll of Isaiah. He didn't get to choose one. They just yeah, they handed it to him. Okay. So then he's he's got to read, and he happens to go to what we would call Isaiah's chapter 61. Of course, they didn't have chapters and verses back then. But he starts reading this prophecy that Isaiah wrote, I'm assuming like 700 years before he even walked on the earth. And then he, he, he reads it. He hands the guy the scroll back. He sits down, and I can just imagine like this pause in the room. And then he says, and the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing today. In other words, I fulfilled this scripture. Mm. And I, I mean, I can't even imagine the shock of the people in the room. And yet, you know, Jesus interacting with the prophetic in that way, to me, is just awesome. So that's one of the passages I'm going to use that week. I'm also going to go back to the passage in Second Peter, where it talks about, you know, Peter's writing and he's like, we have these words of prophecy that we didn't make up on our own. The prophets didn't make up on their own. God spoke to them. God moved them through the power of his Holy Spirit. And we need to rely on them. 
And I'm just kind of wondering, it got me thinking as I was doing a little prep, like, do I rely on these words? Mm-hmm. Like even thousands of years later, if, if Peter was saying that to his readers back in the day, like how do I rely upon Well, I those? think that's the pain point or like a question mark people would have, you know, like a modern person might feel this way about the entirety of scripture sure. at, like, at worst, but even just particularly the prophecy stuff, like, boy, is any of that related to like what's going on today? Like there's a lot of stuff going on. Wish I would have had a heads up about COVID. Yeah, like, right. Are there secrets to be found in the prophecies? Like, oh, like Nostradamus. That I could and- find out about upcoming events and somehow gain a competitive advantage or at least for my family mm. to keep us safe. Is that what it's trying to do? Or like what, what am I, the modern person, supposed to do with this stuff? Yeah, yeah. I don't know for me if there's any competitive advantage or any secret sauce in there that you can be looking for because I, I believe like those books were written to specific people in a specific setting and culture at that time. They weren't written to us, but they are written for us. You know, we've said that along here with this series. So what does that mean? And especially as I see Jesus stand up in the temple, read the, the prophet, you know, the prophet to Isaiah, and then relate it to himself. I guess I use that as an, an example of maybe that's what all the books of prophecy are supposed to do. Like they're supposed to remind us that they point to Jesus, that Jesus is here, that he's real. And to your point, um, wants to have a relationship with us, a flourishing relationship. Well, and I think for me, that's become kind of the secret key that I'm looking for as I read, because it's so easy to read those books and go, this is all about destruction and sin There's and this angry mm-hmm. God. And it's kind of hard to read. Y- yes. Sort through all that. Right. But when you read it through that lens of, okay, how is this pointing to Jesus? And the big idea for that week even being, this is a picture of a God who's reaching out to us. You wouldn't maybe necessarily see that on our first reading, but I think that's, for me, become kind of the secret key is this is really about a God and a Lord who loves us. And I think I think you hit a really good point, Nicole, because I think most people would say the Old Testament God is this angry old man who just wants to wipe people out. He's pissed off about everything, and, and that's not at all what, it, what it's about. It's about God using um, these prophets to call his people to repentance because they're heading down a path that's terrible for them and for the nation. It's going to ruin them. And so God's putting these prophets in their path to try to call them back to him, back into relationship, back into a a thriving, uh, flourishing, I think we said, relationship with God. And yet uh, they just refuse time and time again, you know, choose to do their own thing. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, sounds a little bit like us today. You know, God's trying to call us back and we keep doing our own thing. Right. Well, and I was surprised when I read that what the prophets spoke was nothing new. They maybe said it in their own voice, in their own way, but they were speaking of the covenant that God had already established, which I, which was new for me in my idea of what prophecy is and what prophets do. I think too, like, I don't know if we're going to get here in the series on stage, but that's why you're at the podcast. You get kind of the, the deeper stuff. Inside scoop. When you look at the whole story of scripture and remember like what is the, like even the theological context of who the prophets are speaking to, like the people of Israel, they're steeped in this uh, ethical, theocratic kind of system where uh, blessing and righteousness are tied together and sin and curse are tied together. 
So you, if you do good, you'll be blessed. If you do bad, you'll be cursed. And in the minds of the people too, they kind of assumed, oh, well, if you're cursed, that probably means that you're a sinful guy. And if you're blessed, like you're wealthy, or this good life, that you must be righteous. So we see that playing out in the story of Job. And Job is going th- through all these curses, like his children are killed. He has boils all over his body. And so his friends come to him. Well, you must be cursed then. He's like, wow, I didn't do anything wrong. So when we remember that, the people of Israel are constantly kind of walking this tightrope, at least as they see it, as they, how they have interpreted God, of, boy, we need to do the right thing or we're going to be cursed. And what's cursed? The Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Edomites are all going to come in and wipe us out. So the prophet then, his role is to point out, or her role perhaps, to point out this is where, like you guys have, there's a speck in your eye. You're not seeing clearly. Here are ways that you're messing up. You're creating idols to false gods. Or here's how we're breaking the commandments of God. And destruction is sure to come. So like when I remember that, like Isaiah and these guys, they aren't writing in 2020 where all of what I just said is a little bit more mystical than we're used to and kind of steeped in this uh, theological stuff. But when I remember that that's the context in which they're writing, it helps me make sense of why, why would they think that if they did something bad that people are going to come in with swords and murder them? Oh, well, when I remember <laughs> this whole backdrop of the covenant, you know, that helps, helps me understand it more. You know, some of that's even um, hangs over into the New Testament. You remember that story? Um, if I was a good pastor, I'd know exactly where it was. But the story of the man who's born blind and Jesus comes to heal him and people ask, you know, yeah. was it his fault? Was it his parents' fault? Did he sin? Or did his parents sin? Why was he born blind? And it's, they're equating that he yeah. must have done something. A some- bad thing in your life must have been the result of you doing something wrong. Right. And, and yet, what does Jesus say? Jesus says it wasn't either one of those things. It was so that the glory of God could be revealed in and through him, right? So there's this greater purpose that's going on. And I think that's what we have to do whenever we read scripture, but especially in the the books of prophecy. We have to ask ourselves, like, what else is going on here? Like, there's got to be something deeper happening. So if there is some secret sauce, maybe that that's it. Like, we start to ask ourselves. And and so, like, I one of the questions I have is, do you think, like, when Isaiah was writing, let's just, or Jeremiah, pick yeah. one of the prophets, like, did they know that they were writing about a man named Jesus who would someday walk the earth as Messiah? Right, because you said, you alluded to earlier, or you said, actually, verbatim, that they point to Jesus. Well, in what way? Like, kind of this broader narrative, or, like, Nicole, we were talking right before we started, there are like a bunch of particular passages that Jesus will quote from these prophetic books that say like, yeah, those refer to me. Um, and he'll say they were about himself. Is that yes, what you're saying? Yes, right, yes. right. Yeah. So can anybody just go around and say, well, yeah, all those scriptures, they point to me. And does that make it true? Does that mean that Isaiah knew that when he was writing? Or was Isaiah writing to a particular audience in a particular time and through the power of the Holy Spirit, then when Jesus walked the face of the earth and, and through what he went through, um, did he fulfill those prophecies? You know, that, that to me is the interesting question. Um, and of course, I believe as a follower of Christ that he did fulfill those prophecies, that they do all point to him. And, and specifically, I know like, Nicole, you're going to talk about Isaiah uh, 53, which is this unbelievable 
what uh, Christians would call a messianic prophecy about Jesus and his death. Do you mind if I read that for us just real quick? Oh, yeah. Because I don't know yeah. if people... Well, one, one other thing I was going to say before yeah. you read it is, this is important to keep in mind, is that there's probably, there are, not probably, um, many Jewish scholars hmm. that would not think this talks about Jesus. In fact, they would argue, no, it doesn't talk about Jesus at all. It mm -hmm. talks about a Messiah that is still to come someday. Right. So, yeah, read it. This would be good. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> pick up in verse 3. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God. Stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Hmm. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And it goes on the whole chapter. Such a powerful passage. So when you read that as a Jesus mm -hmm. follower, mm -hmm. you've already been convinced and persuaded by the power of the Holy Spirit that the truth of the gospel that Jesus is the Son of God and is the Savior of the world. When you have that already in your mind, you go to read this, you're like, oh boy. How could you not yeah. see? <laughs> yeah. This, right. uh, these seem like descriptions of Jesus. These match mm -hmm. up. And his crucifixion in particular. That's mm -hmm. right. Yeah. And yet other people read it and aren't convinced of that at all. Yes. Well, and even the context that you were speaking of, of what the people were in in the time of the the wars and the oppression, like trying to put that hat on of how that would resonate to me. Maybe not as Jesus, as Messiah, but just to know that I'm seen and what I'm experiencing matters. I could see how that would speak differently in that time to that audience. Mm -hmm. So I've heard uh, Jewish scholars sometimes think of this as messianic. Mm -hmm. Some of them, and including some New Testament authors, or um, uh, rather uh, non-Jewish Christian scholars have interpreted this way, that actually this is referring to the northern kingdom of, of Israel. Mm. And this is written in the time of the southern kingdom. And so that northern kingdom was crushed by the Assyrians for all of our transgressions. Like all of Israel was sinning and building idols to false gods, but the northern kingdom bore, uh, bore that for us. And so here's this metaphor of the mm. suffering servant um, so interesting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So, and, and just, I don't know if this is really tipping my hand. Like, I have no problem with thinking that that was what was in the mind of Isaiah as he wrote it. Let's just say that that mm -hmm. is the case. I don't think that does any damage to then when we read the New Testament and Jesus says, quotes, he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. I think that's the line, right? I think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, that Jesus himself quotes. That's what you're that's saying. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, to, so what does that mean? Did Isaiah mean that? No, I don't know if we have to do that. He's kind of using this creative way of using scripture, of looking back to his spiritual ancestry, his tradition, and his scriptures, and seeing like this is being fulfilled. This is coming to pass in your hearing um, and in my life. I, I find those both to be, they're not contradictory thoughts. Yeah, in fact, in the first week, and, and this is a big push that I like to talk about, is like we need to learn to read the scriptures the way Jesus read the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, if that's a hermeneutic, if that's the way we understand Scripture, the, to me, that's one of the most effective ways of understanding. How did Jesus understand his own Scriptures? And so just a little teaser, like the first week, I'm going to talk about that. It might, it might surprise you the way Jesus interpreted his own Scriptures, what he included, what he intentionally left out, and what effect that has on us today. And I, I don't know as it's as easy as just saying, Oh, we need to read all the scriptures literally. Um, no, I don't think that's I don't think that's the best way to read scripture, to be honest. And yet, I can see some very conservative Christians mm-hmm. saying, "Oh my gosh, I, you know, Pastor Dave is so liberal. What he's saying, you can't read all the scriptures literally." I don't think that's how the scriptures were intended to be read, so I don't think that's the best way to read them. So, yeah, this is going to be a fascinating uh, series, digging into some of this. And I don't know if I'd encourage you to read through all of the books of prophecy. I mean, there's some tough stuff in there. It's a lot. So, and it's a lot. It's a bulk right. of the Bible. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's it would be good to dig into some of these stories to acquaint yourself with kind of where we're going and what is this gift of prophecy anyway, right? That's why I'd like to kind of finish for today on this episode of thinking through, yeah, how does that gift of prophecy relate to th- today? Hmm. The final week, we'll be doing a little panel and as our launching pad, thinking about Acts 2, uh, which is a chapter in the New Testament where kind of the Holy Spirit is unleashed on the world through the disciples and those in the upper room. It speaks of tongues of fire and people were speaking in different tongues. Um, Those that happened to be in the area at the time like heard their native language that they wouldn't normally have heard. Uh, So I I think a question people are wondering is, yeah, Mm. is this all just something from back then and I go and kind of read it as... um, a voyeur of the past and just, oh, that's cool that people used to do prophecy. And I guess it points to Jesus. Great. Does, is any of that happening today? Like, could I, am I a prophet? Could I be a prophet? Could I engage in the activity of prophecy? Could anyone? Yeah, I mean, in the most general sense of the word, I would say you are a prophet. You are proclaiming truth that leads to Jesus, right? So that's one, that's the broad general definition of of what a prophet is. Hmm. Um, Does the gift of prophecy still happen today? I I believe so. Um, I don't believe it happens in the way that we always think it happens. It's not always the big and grandiose, you know, just like I believe God still heals today, but he doesn't always heal through the televangelist who's on TV making one leg as long as the other, you know, like he sometimes uses doctors and nurses and sometimes he does miraculous healings. Um, you talk to some of the missionaries on, on our foreign fields and they see firsthand some of these things. I got to see the gift of prophecy. I still do, but I, I got to see the gift of prophecy in use at one of my past churches. Mm. And, um, you know, I was real skeptical at first. Um, this, this person I affectionately referred to as Crazy Sharon. Um, <laughs> she has since passed on, so she, she won't be listening to this. But, but I, I, I loved Crazy Sharon. I came to, like, love this woman. And yet at first, I did not know what to make of Crazy Sharon. Like, she would go through our lobby, and she'd pull me aside, and she would point, and she would say, see that person over there? And she'd tell me something about the person. And it was like, and, and honestly, I had no idea. And then it would come true. And it started to freak me out at first. Like, and I'd been in ministry 20-some years at the time. Was it ever good stuff or always like a No, a it was some, sometimes some good stuff okay. too. You know, like, I, can't, 
I can't think of a positive example of, of a specific thing that she mm. said. Um, maybe I will hear my old brain works. I can think of some negative ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like she, she um, went up to a family and told them that their son had a disease and the family oh, pulled me right. aside and they were like, they had yeah. no idea. They were very upset. Oh, and so I yeah. said to crazy Sharon, and when I found out about it, okay, here's the deal. Like I want you to use your gift, but can you come mm-hmm. tell one of us as like, pastors mm-hmm. in the church first so that we can kind of vet that not that i wanted to be in control of it but i just i don't want people shocked you know well turned out like their son did end up having wow. the the disease which i was like, oh my gosh you know mm-hmm. and it took a couple of years but it happened and so you start thinking yeah i think this is still a real thing and i think god still speaks i think god still speaks mm-hmm. through dreams and through visions maybe not in the same way and maybe it's because we don't listen as well as they did back in the day. Well, and that's something that I'm learning. I grew up probably in a tradition that would be considered cessationist, if I'm saying that right. Like yeah. that the gifts of the Spirit ended uh, after the, Jesus came. There's no more tongues, no more prophecy, no more. It doesn't work because the Bible's complete. Right? Well, we right. do have okay. the gift of hospitality still. That one. That one's still, that one's still okay. okay. Yeah, it's funny how we pick and choose. But yeah. you grew up in this church that would say no. Say no, and yet uh, began to have s- s- a handful of experiences of dreams that seemed especially vivid and maybe something for me to pay attention to. And learning that maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Maybe it was the spicy pizza I had the night sure, before, like right. I've heard you say. Yeah. But giving myself a little bit more to uh, no. The spirit is still active and moving in those ways, and mm. and God could choose to mm-hmm. s- speak to me in that way and to just pay attention to it. And you know, just to be really clear, I personally think like when God speaks that way, He's reinforcing what He's already told us in the Scriptures. Um, he's not going to speak something that's outside of the Scriptures. Like He's not going to speak right. to me and say, "Well, Jesus wasn't really God." Yeah. You know, there's lots of people who can claim to hear from God, mm-hmm. but like I'm always going to yeah, check it. Yeah, like what if it. someone on Sunday can't, comes up to one of us and yeah. uh, I have a word of the Lord for you? Yeah, and that happens. Like what some should, someone listening to this that happens to go to our church, right? What yeah. what should they do? Like, I think they should come share it with one, you know, somebody who's here at the church. So they're on the receiving end. Cra- a crazy Sharon came up to them. And oh, came up to them. They should come talk to us, I think, okay. and <laughs> let us help them through that. I think. You know, we, we do have a couple of people in our congregation who have the gift of prophecy, the gift of speaking in tongues. All I ask is, like, we don't practice that on a Sunday morning because I don't want to freak people out. And, you know, we draw from a, a large um, contingent of people who came from different backgrounds that that would really freak out. So, but we do, you know, we've been praying over some things in the past before that people have shared with us because they've received a word of, of knowledge or a word of prophecy and um, yeah, I personally, I, I'm all for those gifts. I want us to, to seek those gifts. And what Paul says in the scripture is seek the greater gifts, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what is that? It's the gift of love. Yeah. It's a gift of learning to love one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, that's, that to me is the best gift of all. And I'd recommend if you still have a lot of questions, like you can always talk to us, but like another good starting place is in first Corinthians 14. It's just really like good practical advice mm-hmm. from Paul to this church who was having like some crazy meetings where people were just getting up and letting it rip. And he says like, I, I wish that desire that everyone would have be eager for the gifts, especially prophecy. Uh, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. And he's talking about like, we want 
to be able to understand each other when we gather together. So some of the practices at Heartland, maybe why we do Sunday morning a certain way and, and don't emphasize, emphasize that stuff is, is trying to be faithful mm. to this advice of keeping an orderly gathering where people can have intelligible uh, messages shared and received. And all that stuff is great. And maybe there is a way to work it into a service, but there's this whole, the church isn't just Sunday morning. Yeah, right. Like we can do this all throughout the week. If you feel like you want to express these different gifts, be part of a community, share it with someone else that's trusted. And yeah, there's just a, there's smart ways to go about doing it. And I think toward the beginning of that same chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, Paul, and to me, it's just simple math. Paul says something like, I would rather speak five words that people can understand rather than 10,000 words that people can't, you mm-hmm. know? And it's not like, oh, I got the gift of tongues and I'm more spiritual than you, or I've got the gift of prophecy. No, it's using the gifts to point to Jesus, point people to Jesus, to glorify our, our God. So we don't, I think sometimes people get too caught up in themselves when they're using the gifts. Gifts not about you. The gifts used to serve, right? To, to point people to Christ. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Any other closing thoughts you want to share? before we dive into that series? Um, I loved what Nicole said earlier. Most prophets who were doing their job ended up dead. (laughs) I mean, I'm not trying to laugh, but you think about it, like it's a funny thing. Like why why is speaking truth to power so dangerous? And why is it even still dangerous? And what does it mean for us here in 2022? Like, what, what would that mean for us as the church today to speak truth to power? How do we do that in a loving way that impacts? In community, where that truth is subjected to a council of wisdom. Yes. Not just you woke up one morning, I thought I heard from God, and I'm going to write an angry email to oh, the pastor. Right. No, right. no, that's not right. quite right. No. Test that truth out, see if it actually is a truth. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, we can move forward. But Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, I think... I think that's what I'm anxious because Jesus, I mean, Jesus was a poor man. Yeah. You know, he, he was not part of the power base. So I think we as the church, sometimes we have too much power. And so maybe we should think about that. How are we as empire now? Uh, when they talked about that back in the New Testament, mm-hmm. you know, and that we might be that now. So how do we understand the scriptures? How does it relate to us today in a way that we can um, speak correctly, you know, that truth to power. So, yeah, yeah, I think it'll be a good series. Well, thanks for sharing. Looking forward to it. Yes. Thanks, Clint. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Heartland Leadership Podcast. Uh, Feel free to check our back catalog. We have a ton of content there for other questions and just just it's entertaining to watch some YouTube videos. So go ahead and you can do that. Uh, Feel free to comment on this video and like it. That goes a long way to getting it in front of more eyeballs. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. (laughs) 